Excellent. So the title here is Capturing a Competitive Edge in Today's On-Demand World. I mean, we're living in an ever-increasing on-demand world. And I think uh, one of the um, academia that, that we've been interacting with at Zebra uh, is through Northwestern University, the Kellogg School of Business, a professor there by the name of Dr. Robert Wilcott. And Robert Wilcott, I think he says he's, he's got a pretty profound quote around the transformation that's happening in business relative to the on-demand economy. And he refers to the phenomenon of this as proximity, right? And the notion behind proximity is that the expectation by our end customers increasingly is that they can get what they want, when they want, how they want it delivered, right? And so what he has stated is that one of the biggest transformations in business is going to be the production and provision of products and services ever closer to the point of demand. So the idea that the moment I need it, I can expect to get it, whether that's a service like Uber, right, or it's the delivery of a physical product like Amazon is doing to your doorstep in urban areas in two hours or less, the notion that I can get what I want, when I want it, how I want it delivered is becoming the norm. And so because of that, that is driving expectations across industries, and as a result, businesses have to drive digital innovation to be able to meet that need. And I'll tell a couple of you know, analogies, stories as I, as I go through the presentation. One here um, comes from a CIO at a tier one transportation logistics company who I was meeting with, and he said to me, you know who I'm really concerned about from a competitive perspective? And I was thinking the usual suspects, you know, the three-letter transportation logistic, logistics companies that would be doing shipping and so on. And his response was Starbucks. And I must admit, I was kind of taken back. So I looked, I looked at him uh, trying to catch up to where his thought process was. And I said, how do you mean? And he said, well, Starbucks is setting incredible expectations with things like a mobile app on your device. You can order that beverage and then just come into the store and pick it up without ever having to go through the friction of the checkout process, waiting online, and so on. And so I was still a little bit wasn't caught up to his thinking, so I said, you know, say more. I, I'm, I'm still not totally tracking you. So he said, well, that expectation by millennials, by digital natives, that they can order that on their app, seamlessly come to the store and pick it up, is translating into expectations on my business, right? My customers are wanting to know why can't, you know, his company do that in reverse. So I, so I said, well, what do you mean do it in reverse? He said, well, if I know where somebody is because they've opted in, using their mobile phone, much like the mobile experience from a Starbucks perspective, then I need to rethink my businesses. How do I deliver to where somebody is as opposed to a static address, right? So the idea of being able to deliver to the trunk of your car or be able to deliver an item while you're out at that Starbucks as opposed to delivering to a static fixed address. Um, and so this concept has given rise to a term that's been called liquid expectations. The idea that an expectation in one setting, like a Starbucks, can have ramifications across a completely or seemingly unrelated industry like the transportation industry. And so really nobody's immune to what's happening here. And what that means is that automation now is no longer a nice to have, it's a need to have. And this quote came from a fresh food distributor that we work with, a tier one that's delivering to quick serve restaurants, uh, delivering to you know, restaurants of all sorts. And 
when he was talking to us, he said, restaurants that they're delivering to are ordering for the next day later and later in the, in the, day, the day before. So they keep pushing the order time out. Again, the idea of ordering what they need at the very last moment. So they're pushing those orders out to the end of the day for what they need the following day. And the conclusion by, by this company, again, a pretty large, you know, think of a US Foods or a Cisco Foods um, refrigerated food distributor, was that without automation, they're never gonna be able to fulfill what those customers are ordering and the time they have to do that. So the windows to fill those orders are increasingly shrinking down in time, and so they had to embrace automation in order to make that happen. And so what I wanna present here is that although this is a reality, that you've gotta embrace automation to, to uh, capitalize on the on-demand economy, to really survive even in the on-demand economy, the idea of a completely lights out warehouse or a lights out environment is still gonna be a ways off. And there's tremendous evidence out there that embracing strategies that enable human workers to collaborate with automation in seamless ways is gonna be a middle ground that we're all gonna be investing in over the next three to five years. So although the headlines are saying lights out and the dynamic pressures are forcing automation to be adopted, I think there's a great middle ground from an investment perspective um, as well as just from the realities of the way things are gonna play out that can be capitalized on uh, as we move forward. So if you just take a look at what some of the quantitative dynamics are, 10% of jobs, less than 10% of jobs can be fully automated. So McKinsey uh, has done a study and what they stated, it's a pretty cool uh, quote, it's one you can uh, use at cocktail parties maybe, <laughs> depending upon the cocktail parties you go to. But the quote is that although 50% of tasks can be automated, 50% of tasks, right, can be automated, less than 10% of jobs can be automated more than 90%. So although you can automate 50% of tasks, you can only automate less than 10% of jobs more than 90%. So what does this mean? It means that the human worker is not going away anytime soon, right? You can't completely automate the tasks that that human worker is doing you still need them to do quite a bit of the workflow within, uh, within the process. And I'll talk a little bit more about how that manifests itself going forward in just a little bit. Obviously, super competitive job market, being able to find the labor uh, to do these tasks, whether it's a driver on the road or it's a warehouse picker inside the four walls. And this 4% now is probably closer to you know 3.5%. Um, so sort of at historic lows, uh, going back to kind of World War II, to get lower than, than where we're currently at. And then I already mentioned these rising expectations. I think this stat is, is pretty staggering, right? 96% of consumers consider fast shipping synonymous with same day shipping. And now, you know, three years ago, fast shipping would have been you know, three days, right? Um, now fast shipping, if you ask someone, 96% of people are thinking that, hey, that means I get it essentially the same day. So again, this this perfect storm of, I should be able to get whatever I want whenever I want it, a labor pool that's becoming pretty competitive and hard to find the right people to go fulfill those orders, and then this notion of automation has got the promise to help solve all of that, but really only 10% or less of jobs can be automated uh, up to that 90% mark. So what does this mean in terms of innovation? And, and um, I'll share with you, the way we're thinking about it at Zebra, and this is 
hopefully it'll be clear as I go through the presentation, this is not a zebra you know, infomercial, here's our products portfolio. That's not you know, what this presentation is about. But I did want to share insight into the way we're thinking about this future and how we're investing in it. And so if you think about digital innovation over the last 40, 50 years, right, what, what comes to mind? Well, systems of record, particularly in our spaces, right, warehouse, transportation, fulfillment, the innovation kind of happened in the IT closet, right? You had ERP systems like SAP and Oracle. If you're in, in a warehouse business, you have a warehouse management system, maybe a warehouse execution system. ERP is the kind of generalized term, enterprise resource planning. If you're managing your sales team, maybe you have a CRM tool like salesforce.com. Um, and like in a healthcare space, every vertical has these sorts of systems of record. That would be an electronic medical record or EMR system, right? So this is where a lot of the innovation's been over the last several decades. And what, what we think is that the world really needs to move from systems of record to something we've termed systems of reality, right? So what, what does that mean? Well, a record tells you what should be happening. Where, do, where should my trucks be? Where should my workers be? Where should this pallet be in that fork truck, right? But at the end of the day, that's a record of where things ought to be. It's not the reality of where they are. And if you're going to deliver in two hours, three hours, if you're going to deliver in the moment, if what you're going to deliver in an hour from now, you don't even know where, you know, you don't even know where it's going to come from because the order hasn't even come in yet, then you can't operate off of a system of record. You can't operate off a plan that puts a driver in a truck on an eight-hour shift with a manifest that's static, right? Because when that driver gets in that truck, what they're going to do three hours from now might be totally different than what you thought at the beginning of that shift. So you've got to move from this idea of systems of record to systems of reality. And it sounds cute, right? Systems of reality. Well, what's a system of reality? Well, system of reality focuses, instead of on the IT closet, it focuses on the edge. You'll see, you see that all over the place now, right? I was walking around the floor earlier, edge intelligence, edge this, edge that, edge computing. Right, edge-based machine learning and artificial intelligence. It's really to say it's pushing the computing and the visibility all the way to where the work is happening and saying, give me the visibility of what's happening in the environment, give me the context of what's happening, and enable me to not operate on a plan, but to use that information to just unwrap minute to minute what should happen next. Something we call optimizing the next best move. Right, so rather than kind of blow your mind up here for a second and say, rather than thinking about a plan that comes from a system of record, think about the next best movement you can make from moment to moment based on this real-time information from the edge. And so we've made a lot of investments beyond our core portfolio, as you might know us for mobile computing and RFID and so on, into automation. All right, but we think about automation in three ways. One is visibility automation, so the ability to collect information about what's happening in the environment through infrastructure, right? It's visibility, think computer vision, think locationing technology, right? So uh, using RFID locationing technology in the ceiling to be able to locate pallets, fork trucks, people inside a crosstalk environment, for example. And we can do that today with about one meter of accuracy uh, off of a passive RFID tag. So you can put a five cent RFID tag on any asset, be it a fork truck, a person, or a pallet, we can locate it real-time within one meter. Um, some of you might be aware, we don't talk about it too much, but we uh, track, we, we power the next-gen stats for the NFL. 
So every National Football League game in the country, we track every player on the field to within six inches of accuracy 10 times a second. And that's used by the broadcasters to improve the fan experience, but it's also used by um, the game industry as well as the coaching staff. And we use that exact same technology at Boeing and at Jaguar Land Rover to be able to track their assets inside the manufacturing and warehouse environment as well. So that's, that's what we mean when we talk about the edge. And so to drive innovation at the edge, ultimately what we want to get to is this idea of frictionless workflow. If I'm going to be able to deliver in real time, I'm going to satisfy the needs and the expectations of the on-demand economy, I've got to take all the friction out of the workflow so I can get the right goods to the right place, up, upstream and downstream, and ultimately out to the end customer. So the way we think about it is three ways to get there. And, and what I'd suggest is maybe this is an interesting framework for you to consider in whatever, you know, if you're, if you're a provider of solutions to um, the industry, or if you're thinking about what your strategy is from a technology perspective, maybe think about this framework a little bit and how can you play into it or how can we play into it together. So the first one is around smart infrastructures. What does that provide you? It provides you perpetual visibility. I don't have the time here today, but we're doing this with RFID. I mentioned location technology, computer vision. We have solutions at dock doors that are measuring how well a trailer is being loaded in real time, and it's computing the cube score in real time and providing the dock manager with perpetual visibility into the load efficiency of that trailer, as an example, right? Um, the cross-dock example is a great one where it's a, you know, it's a, a very straightforward ROI because Fork trucks typically in a cross dock have about 50% utilization. They pick up a pallet, they drive it to the trailer to load it in, and then what do they do? They drive back with no load on the forks, right? And then they pick up the next pallet, so half the time they have no load on the forks. Well, what we're doing is by locating the pallets and the fork trucks in real time using this idea of perpetual visibility, we're actually route optimizing the fork trucks inside the cross dock so you no longer have point to point loading you have next best move loading. You have a route optimized loading. So the downtime or the amount of time that the fork truck has no load on it is maybe 10 or 15% instead of 50%, right? So what does that do? Same number of fork trucks, more throughput. More throughput you can deliver on the on-demand economy given all the constraints we spoke about earlier. The second one is augmented workers, uh, driving new mobile experiences, right? Being able to put literally physical augmented reality information in front of the worker so their training time goes down. When you hire for peak season, you can have people up and running more quickly. Um, workers, pickers, sortation individuals make less errors as a result of that. Um, and you essentially turn every worker into someone that's performing close to the capability of your best worker. Right? So think about making every worker as good as your best worker. And then intelligent automation um, brings in this, this idea of combining or orchestrating the human worker with the physical robot. And I'll talk a little bit more about uh, the way that we're, we're doing that. But we think ultimately bringing all three of these together provides some really profound competitive advantage, right? So gaining that competitive edge as the title of the presentation is really around thinking about how do you invest in each one of these areas in a, way, in a responsible way, because we all know throwing capital at all three probably going to be hard to get over the goal line. But you can start with some pretty basic ones that I'll, I'll, um, 
I'll show now as I, as I progress. So with regard to providing augmented experiences or augmenting the workflow for the worker, think about what the state of the art kind of is today. It's more like the left-hand side of the screen, all right? You've got a, a green screen with a, a large keyboard device with a menu, and you're gonna get some pretty cryptic um, information on that green screen that's gonna tell that worker or that fork truck operator where to pick from. And what we're looking to migrate towards is what you see on the right. So imagine I hold that device up, and as I look through the screen of the mobile computer, I have an AR experience that you see on the right-hand side. So I don't have to understand, first of all, try to explain to a new grad out of college or coming out of high school what a function key is, like on a, you know, like on a, on a mobile computer, right? You know, press F1. Like, nobody even knows what F1 is, right? Um, they just want to get information. They're, they're, they're craving the same experience that they have on their consumer device, but now, or on HoloLens, or on their gaming console, that we can provide to them uh, inside these enterprise warehouse type environments. So AR is a direction we're going in, but what we noticed is there's a, there's a lot of challenges with getting to a full AR experience. So we're investing in that, but what we just launched um, in uh, late Q4, early Q1, is something we call Fulfillment Edge, okay? And th this uh, is available now. So it's that the heads-up display that you see on the workers on the left-hand side of this chart, and that provides a single-eye optic, which presents information in front of the worker that looks very much like what, what you see down here on the bottom. So you get a graphical, as I'm looking through the heads-up display, I'm seeing the um, rows and columns of the bins I need to pick from on that display, and it's highlighting which one I should go and pick from. So it's not AR overlay, but it's a physical um, representation of where I should pick from in, in my picking environment. And then as I reach and pick for that item, I'm scanning with the, um, with the ring scanner and verifying that I picked, and then again, I'm scanning the bin. So I'll show a little bit of, uh, about how this works in a moment, uh, a, a demo of it actually operating. But what are, the, what are the underlying components to this? Well, all of these now we've released, uh, we have available, the, the first part is what we call the mobile optimization platform. So that's the actual heads-up display itself the ring scanner capability, and then enabling multiple types of input modalities, whether that's scanning, it's voice, it's RFID, and then increasingly now, we're combining the location information as well. So if I know, you know worker X is in this location, the information from a picking point of view that I send that individual might be different than worker Y who might be located in a different spot, um, and using that to do task interleaving um, and creating dynamic tasks uh, in real time for the workers. So how do, how do we do that? Well, the way we enable that experience is through this mobile optimization platform you see in the middle. So this is a suite of software we've developed that interfaces with the warehouse management ERP systems on the right-hand side. So think the system of record guys are over here. We're interfacing to the standard system of record, converting that into a modern user experience like you saw on the previous slide and then um, serving that up in an order that makes the most sense for the workflow. So we've pre-integrated in with uh, the likes of Manhattan Associates, JDA, uh, Infor, 
and others on the back end WMS side, and we'll continue to you know, uh, add to that library of ERP and WMS providers, but we integrate to those legacy systems, convert the execution of that into a modern interface, and then add the context in of you know, who are you, where are you located, and provide that modern experience um, out to the worker. So, uh, sorry for the kind of roughness of this video, but it'll give you an idea of, of the way this works. So, what you see on the left-hand side of that monitor is what this worker is seeing in their heads-up display, okay? What you see on the right-hand side is the green screen equivalent of what they would have gotten otherwise in, the, in that old experience. So you're gonna see uh, the, bit, the two bins on the cart are those two boxes right there. So you just put one in the bin on the right, and he's gonna scan the shelf. Okay, that's gonna, you just scan the wrong one, scan the shelf, scan the product, and then put one of those in that bin, scan the bin, and then it verifies. Um, so we'll take a look here, maybe just one more time, scan the shelf, scan the product. Now it's gonna say where to put that product in the bin on the right, scan that bin, verify that that was correct. Here it's pick two, and then, okay, put one in each bin, which is what he did, scan each of the bins, that verifies uh, the right product went to the right place. So scanning the shelf visually, uh, through a queue that they're seeing through the heads-up display, pick the product, scan the product, and then based on the visual identification of which bin those should be put in, um, take the right action and then scan the bin to verify. So this greatly reduces errors, it improves pick time, and we've seen about a 20% or so, between 20 and 25% improvement in overall productivity and a tremendous reduction in training required because it's, you know, it's fairly intuitive once you use it for, uh, for a couple of hours. Uh, so that said, as much as we're augmenting the worker and making them better at their job, uh, the robots are still coming, right? Uh, the, the, the automation is still very much playing into this and provides an opportunity to further optimize the worker with, uh, with automation. And so Zebra's made a number of investments in the robotics space. We, um, uh, we made an investment in Locust Robotics, and in fact, um, Locust Robotics is out on the floor in a couple of different positions out there. We made an investment in Fetch Robotics, and then we've also made an investment in Plus One. So Fetch and Locust make uh, mobile platforms that help with warehouse fulfillment and picking. Uh, Plus One Robotics is a robot motion control planning software solution for uh, various types of robot arms for articulated, singulated picking. Um, so together with, um, with Fetch, actually, what we've done is we've taken that offering that we have already today, like the heads-up display you see on that individual, with the ring scanner, and then we've integrated uh, that workflow optimization software I showed earlier with the Fetch system. So what that allows us to do is understand the location of the robot in the facility, understand the location of the worker, and then orchestrate the robot and the worker together in real time. So, uh, how many people are familiar with like a Fetch or a Locus offering and what it does? Okay, yeah, okay, maybe, maybe about half the people. So, you've got a robot that essentially, think about it this way, it's aimed at reducing the walking time of the worker in a warehouse. So if you're doing warehouse picking, rather than walking all over the warehouse to fulfill that order, the robot comes to you, so you may have 20 or 30 robots swarming around um, that look like what you saw on the previous slide, if I could show it one more time. 
Um, and then you have, the, you have the workers that are playing zones, right? So the workers are staying in zones. The robot's coming up to the worker, and it's saying it's stopping in front of the place where the item should be picked. It's telling the worker what to pick. They pick with a heads-up display in the ring scanner into the robot. Then the robot goes on its way until the next order in that area needs to be fulfilled. So what you do is you use the robots for what they do best, which is moving stuff around, OK? And you use the humans for what they do best, which is the singulated picking, right? The, the intelligence to be able to distinguish one product from the other, reach in, be able to arbitrarily pick that product and get it down on the robot. And so um, you basically get the best out of both by doing this. And today, these solutions have a great ROI. They're deployed you know, across the globe. But there's re amazingly, there's really no optimization between the location of the robot and the location of the worker. It just, um, it's just the robots coming over to where items need to be picked, and then humans approaching them. So using all of the visibility and, and um, uh, automation capabilities and smart infrastructures as I mentioned earlier, we're able to coordinate that interaction uh, much more effectively between the robot and the worker. And this is something now that we've started to refer to as intelligent orchestration. And so if you think about, I don't want to speak on behalf of the Locust guys, but figure it's you know, high four figures, um, maybe, yeah, I don't know, maybe five figures, yeah, probably around the five figure mark from a robot perspective, and you have a heads up display you know, type of solution. And so you can take an existing warehouse and start to kind of up the game from an automation point of view without breaking the bank. This is not like you've, you're putting in a full ASRS system. Um, you know, you're putting in some technology to help augment the worker and maybe a few robots. And that's very often how these things get started. And then based on the metrics that are collected in the KPI improvements, it kind of bootstraps from there to um, additional rollouts. And the fetch and the locust solutions are offered very much as a service. So at Zebra, um, we're building out the platforms to enable this connected warehouse. And the three layers of that we call sense, sense what's happening at the edge, analyze that data, and then be able to drive the right actions through workflow applications. So from a sensing point of view, this could be location, RFID, data from our scanners or mobile computers. The Analyze provides these visibility building blocks. So think about Profile Manager as understanding who you are. What is, what's your role? What's your responsibilities? What are you skilled at? Where do you have experience? It's your personal profile. So who are you and what are you good at? Your location, right? Events, what needs to get done, probably coming from that JDA or Infor or Manhattan system. And then the context of what's happening around you. Where are your coworkers? Where are other assets? And so if you put that all together, you know, who are you, where are you, what needs to be done, and what's happening around you, you can drive, you put that, all that information together, you can drive tremendous optimization of the workflow uh, inside the warehouse environment. And so this is the kind of platform uh, and capability that we're building together with, um, uh, together with our partners, so very closely with, with uh, JDA, Manhattan, and Infor. So uh, last uh, points that I, I just wanted to make before uh, I wrap up, and maybe it would be great to hear if there's questions, comments, you know, pros, cons, people for and against, it uh, would be good to, to, to get that information. But what I thought might be helpful, in addition to those three areas that I mentioned earlier around smart 
smarter infrastructures, augmented worker, and intelligent automation. That's kind of a technology framework of how you can think about this transformation. I also wanted to provide one that maybe would resonate a little bit more with the financial operational type individuals. And I think in many discussions, dozens and dozens of discussions with customers, these three areas um, always seem that the most successful customers I see in deploying this, they, they're always looking at these three areas, but in a combined way. So the first one is saying, hey, what key business metrics can I improve? What, what do you want to improve? You want to get more throughput with the same people? You want to, do you want to reduce your labor bill, but still be able to deliver the same amount of performance? Maybe it's an error problem. We work with a lot of auto parts uh, companies, or just, sorry, automotive companies, that may have to ship replacement parts or repair parts to dealerships for repair. Well, given the number of, or the proliferation of the number of vehicles they have and permutations of parts, they can't afford to miss ship. So maybe you have to reduce errors, but it's okay if the labor bill stays the same. So what are, what are you really trying to get at from a business metric perspective? Um, and then how could, you, how could better visibility into your operations transform that end-to-end -end workflow? You know, could it provide more labor savings? Could it reduce errors? Maybe drive inventory turns, more picks per hour, um, reduction in safety stock. What's the business metric that you want to go after where you can apply this idea of visibility to be able to sharpen that business metric? And then secondly, do that in a way that embraces this experience modernization. Right? Your workers, it's harder to attract workers than ever. And I think one of the most, I don't know, happy, surprising, interesting things I thought was when I visited a, a few warehouses that have some of these cobot solutions deployed, robots deployed, and one, one warehouse in particular in New Jersey. And the warehouse manager said to me, hey, we've got dozens of locations across the country. The location with the highest employee satisfaction scores is the one where we have the most, is, is this one, where we have the most automation deployed. And you think about that, it's, it was counterintuitive to me a little bit, because I was thinking warehouse workers would sort of not be too excited about automation coming in, but if you walk 10 miles a day in a warehouse to fulfill orders, and now you can walk two miles a day and get more done, that's more pride in your work, it's less work ultimately to get the same pay, uh, and it overall just improves your experience and creates more camaraderie among the, the people that are working in that uh, facility. So how can you modernize that experience, uh, reduce the training through uh, user interface? improve the consistency, maybe look at some of these cobot assistance kinds of uh, concepts, or, um, or, or, or look at what kind of user experiences can help drive that worker recruiting or worker retention uh, metrics that you're tracking. And then lastly, what are easy ways to get into this through new and emerging business models? Robot as a service has emerged now. Um, as I mentioned, Fetch and Locus are charging monthly fees for a robot. So, you know, for, for thousands of dollars, you can start on a pilot. Not tens, even tens, not even tens of thousands of dollars, for thousands of dollars. So you can get started and, and, and kind of build out the case for being able to deploy some of this automation. Um, co-innovation partnerships. Zebra does this with a number of our customers where we'll sit down for co-innovation sessions, understand how we can tackle problems together. So I think thinking about some of these new business models and engagement models um, can help as well. Uh, so this was just a little bit of a framework maybe for you to take back and think about uh, ways of embracing this transformation 
What are key business metrics? How can you use those metrics to modernize the experience? And then ultimately, how can you get at the deployment of these things through uh, some of these newer business models that don't require a big capitally intensive first step? Uh, so with that, uh, I thank you. Uh, we can certainly keep the dialogue going uh, outside this room. Uh, here's my, my email. Or you can reach us um, you know, at Zebra through our account management team, our sales teams, or our channel account managers. Um, and with um, a few minutes left, at least anyway, I thought I'd just open it up to see if anybody has any questions, comments, thoughts. No? It makes sense, kind of, as a, yeah. All right. Mark, you got one question for me? <laughs> what's it going to take? You, you may want to help me answer this question, so. Uh, so what's it going to take for the top five WMS providers to really embrace? Is that, is that the question? Embrace this, the technology. Yeah, and you're talking about the WMS providers themselves, yeah. like the JDAs or the, yeah. To me, the answer is that customers are going to Yeah, right, right. I think, I, yeah, maybe you could look at it from both sides. I mean, Mark was saying that what it's going to take is for customers to demand it from those warehouse management system providers. But I, what I can tell you in speaking with them, I can't say JDA anymore. I got to say Blue Yonder. Yeah, I just realized. Um, but, you know, in speaking with Blue Yonder and speaking with Manhattan, they've, they've approached us, right? And they've said, Hey, we've got apps that are running on the end, you know, edge devices, and that's not really what we focus on. We're focused on the execution of, you know, via the backend systems. And so, if Zebra can own the edge experience, not just the device, but the actual experience for the worker, whether that's augmented reality or it's, it's you know, some kind of augmented experience, if you think about the, that treadmill the device treadmill and the experience treadmill are going to move at a much faster pace than the back-end systems, they've really said, hey, we're, you know, we're fine with that happening. So I think it is, it's this combination of, uh, both, you know, it's coming from both directions, meaning customers of, J, of Blue Yonder or JDA previously saying to them, hey, we need new experiences, and that's forcing them to think differently, and then they're reaching out to folks like us. And then as we think through the idea that the edge is where all the new innovation is going to come from. It's a very natural thing to start pushing in this direction. And then ultimately, you know, you get the adoption through, um, through coming from both sides, right? The WMS side as well as the customer um, and the edge experience. So, all right. Any other comments? Otherwise, I'll let everybody get back to the show. And, uh, and thanks for the time. Thank you. <laughs>